Drive time on 91.3. Always on the cutting edge. Welcome back, 0829-913-913, that's the WhatsApp line. In this week's Middle East report, in partnership with the London-based Middle East Munta, we look at the following. In sharp disagreement with the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, new definition insists BDS is not anti-Semitic. The already messy breakup of American Jews over Israel is getting messier. And the U.S. to weigh in sanctions after Iran-China Inc. 400 billion U.S. deal. And online for comment is political analyst at Memo Nassim Ahmad. Nassim, salam alaikum and thank you very much for joining us. Salam, good to be here. So let's begin with uh, the sharp disagreement within the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. The definition says uh, BDS is not anti-Semitic. Yes, so this is a new definition, an alternative to the IHRA, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition, which you mentioned. Uh, so that stirred um, a lot of controversy. Um, this controversy has been ongoing for a number of years, uh, especially in the UK, Canada, and the US as well. Uh, government bodies have uh, adopted it, universities, and many, many organizations. Um, but you know, human rights groups, uh, critics of Israel say this, this definition is it um, suppresses free speech on Palestine. Uh, the, the real problem with that definition is that seven of the 11 examples cited as examples of anti-Semitism equates a hatred for Jews with a criticism of Israel. So that's the big sticking point. And uh, there's been uh, really a battle that's been waged on many fronts in campuses and elsewhere over the adoption of this definition. Uh, Israeli groups, as you can expect, uh, want this to be adopted universally, uh, but there's a strong rejection to this, um, mainly from within the Jewish community as well, Jewish academics, Jewish scholars including the, the, the original drafter, Kenneth Stern, who drafted the IHRA definition, he's also saying that, you know, this definition, the way it's been used, the way it's been adopted, is not how it was meant to be used, and it's, it's been uh, instrumentalized by pro-Israeli lobby to suppress criticism of Israel. So we've had a number of uh, uh, different definitions over the last couple of months, the, the latest, latest of which is the one from... Uh, called itself uh, the, the Jerusalem Declaration of uh, Antisemitism. Uh, so that includes uh, a signature from 200 academics, uh, professors, uh, professors of antisemitism, Jewish history, Holocaust history. So it's a very strong, uh, uh, you know, group of uh, people who have signed and backed this definition as an alternative to the IHRA. And within that, they, they, they say, for example, the, the BDS, the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions Campaign, which the original IHRA says is uh, uh, anti-Semitic. This one says, no, it is not anti-Semitic to uh, want to boycott Israel. It is not anti-Semitic, for example, to question uh, Israel's origins and existence. Uh, it is not anti-Semitic, for, for example, uh, to say that, okay, uh, having a, a, a one-state uh, solution within historic Palestine uh, equal for Jews, uh, Palestinians and Christians is not anti-Semitic, which is what the original IHRA definition had uh, insisted. And the original IHRA definition, to be honest, um, if, if, if Albert Einstein was alive, 
you know, he would have been classified as an anti-Semite according to the original IHRA definition. So that's how poor it was. And this is really a, a, a massive pushback against his effort to uh, have everyone adopt this uh, uh, definition, politicized definition of what it means to be uh, anti-Semitic. So uh, how do you think the IHR position will be, or standing will be, considering that uh, a lot of uh, you know, credible organizations have been signatory to, uh, to this, uh, this uh, declaration? Yeah, so unfortunately, though, I mean, a number of organizations have already adopted IHRA, uh, political parties, uh, academic institutions. But as I said, there's, there's a huge pushback. So it's, it's a battleground now to, to uh, have definition, uh, definition of anti-Semitism, uh, anti-Semitism adopted within various universities, various political parties and institutions in, in different parts of the world. So um, the, I, I assume those who support the IHRA, they will double down and they will, you know, go push forward with their campaign and those who are fearful that you know the IHRA is going to be um, expanded they will also double down so there is, this is part of that the 200 academics signing the Jerusalem declaration is really a pushback then you also have another definition the nexus task force which again comprises of Jewish academics they also drafted a definition uh, uh, rejecting many of the examples within the IHRA so at the moment we are really living through this uh, critical uh, a moment when it comes to free, free speech on issues to do with Israel uh, on many fronts. And I, I think this will, this will continue. Um, but I think there's a number of governments here in the UK in particular, uh, they're, they're, they're you know, waiting to see what happens uh, with this conflict, social conflict, uh, as it were, because uh, they want to push the IHRA, the conservative, right-wing conservative government, they want to push the IHRA and force every single university to adopt it. But many, many universities have actually uh, rejected it, saying, no, we cannot use this uh, as a working definition within our campuses because it suppresses free speech. So governments are waiting to see how this plays out uh, on the you know, academic uh, uh, you know, platforms and also in society at large. Now let's uh, go to the already messy breakup of American Jews of uh, Israel is getting even messier because what we see is already that an alliance of far-right groups, including the Jewish power, are poised to enter Israel's parliament if the exit polls for the latest uh, general elections are to be believed. That's right. That's right. So um, your listeners may be aware that there's just been an election in Israel and uh, Extreme far right groups, um, um, you know, uh, are, are on, you know, uh, may take power with Benjamin Netanyahu. These are <clears throat> far right racist groups um, who have been designated terrorists, but they they have a seat now within the Israeli Knesset Parliament. So this really creates a huge dilemma for. Uh, many, many progressive uh, liberal Jews in the U.S. and, of course, here in, in Europe as well. Um, there's already been a decline of uh, well, the, the, the love affair between many, many young Jews in the U.S. and Israel is, is, is slowly breaking up. There, there isn't this the level of sympathy. But what you have within the U.S., though, is, is a conservative, very conservative, very loyal group of uh, Israeli organizations who, who actually fund many universities and Jewish studies, they are still in control of, um, uh, in charge of where, you know, Jewish influence goes. But uh, when it comes to on the grassroots level, you have 
hundreds and thousands of Jewish organizations and student groups who, who are more critical of uh, of the Zionist state. And I think this, this, because of the election that's just taking place now, where Israel is moving more and more to the right, you know, closer to being almost, um, almost like a fascistic organization uh, country, that these groups are now saying, you know, how can we continue providing support for Israel when we aspire, espouse liberal values, liberal principles? We can no longer support a government which is moving more and more to the right, which, ha- which is in alliance with uh, parties like Jewish Power, uh, which calls for the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians and expulsion of all Palestinians from Palestinian, uh, from their territories. So when, you are, when they are aligned with those, how do you do that? And also, just uh, two months ago, a Jewish organization, Bat Salem, human rights organization, published a report, uh, an opinion paper, basically, a position paper, saying that Israel is now an apartheid state. This is, this is uh, the, the Israel's biggest human rights organization. This is what they concluded. Israel is an apartheid state. So when you have these kind of information coming through, um, I think more and more uh, progressive liberal Jews uh, are actually, um, you know, not, not willing to support Israel. And the, the piece you're referring to speaks about uh, Peter Beinard. So he's actually a Zionist himself, uh, but he's actually given up on the idea of a unique Jewish state, the state of Israel. He wants a single state for all people. And he's now been uh, deplatformed. He's been marginalized, although he's a Zionist, you know, uh, because he's taken a different position to what had been orthodox uh, position of the Israeli conservatives uh, in the U.S. He's been marginalized. And that article specifically refers to how uh, in a recent, uh, I think on, on last Monday, he was supposed to give a uh, talk in a university. Um, he, he, you know, there was a commotion and funders of the uh, institution, uh, they were going to pull their funds and not allow him to speak. Uh, so this is someone who many Zionists would have been proud of, Peter Bynard, but because he took a different position on Israel uh, last year, he's been excommunicated, so to speak, you know, and marginalized. So that, that, that's how the, the, the messy breakup, which has been going on for a number of years, is getting even more, more messier. Now, we saw during uh, Trump's era as uh, president of the U.S., there was some stronger ties between uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and, and the, uh, the White House. But looking at uh, what is happening, do you think his departure, uh, Trump's pa- departure, that is as an effect to this mess affair that we are witnessing now in Israel? Um, I, I don't... I, I don't think Trump is Trump is an indicator in some ways, but that breakup has been going on for a number of years. Trump, I think, just accelerated this. If you look at this support, 70% of Amer- uh, Israeli Jews supported Trump, the highest in the world, you know, whereas 70% of uh, American Jews opposed Trump. So you can see that the two two Jewish communities are in very different camps, you know. And and this is because, as I said, Israel is slowly moving more and more to the right, and you have a Jewish community, a uh, younger Jewish community, who are questioning their support for the state of Israel, but they are stuck with a Jewish establishment, uh, a conservative group of uh, donors to the different parties who still maintain their loyalty and support to the state of Israel. So there's, there's a tension within the young Jewish communities and more progressive Jewish communities with the more established communities from APEC, uh, Anti-Defamation um, League, and all those various different groups within the U.S. who are very traditional, very conservative. Uh, they have uh, financial muscle behind them, and they, um, they and, and they continue to provide uh, unquestioning support for the state of Israel.
And uh, lastly, the U.S. to weigh sanctions after Iran-China Inc. This uh, 400 billion U.S. dollar deal. Uh, wh oh, wh yes. Wh wh why do you think the U.S. is trying to, to you know, to to meddle into this uh, investment deal between China and Iran? Well, the U.S., as you know, has sanctions on placed sanctions on um, Iran from the Trump era. And Iran is, is unable to sell its oil to um, anyone. Uh, so this deal would allow Iran to sell at least a million barrels a day to China. Uh, and this deal uh, facilitates more than that. It's a 25-year deal, uh, which, you know, um, uh, which includes nuclear energy, all kind of commerce, all kind of uh, exchange, and altogether... I think altogether it amounts to about 73 billion, not just to 400, uh, sorry, 400 billion. So that's, that's a really substantial amount. Um, but, you know, the U.S. Biden administration um, wants to um, re-engage with Iran. Um, um, but I think, you know, it doesn't really know what it wants to do. In the, it wants to re-engage, but it wants to impose sanctions, which it had from the Trump administration. So I think it's in a bit of a dilemma. But Iran, if anything, will come out from this much, much stronger. And if there is to be a deal with the Americans over the nuclear treaty and the Europeans, of course, they will have a much stronger hand uh, to negotiate with now that they have a, uh, Iranians willing to buy their oil um, without thinking of the consequences of what the Americans may do. So that's a good step. Of course, this has triggered a debate within Iran itself, you know, how much of Iran is being, uh, how much of Iranian sovereignty is given up to the Chinese, because it's a very, very deep and long um, agreement between the two countries. Um, so that's a different issue. Uh, but in, on, in terms of the geopolitical level, I think Iran is just looking for a way to avoid uh, any future uh, sanctions and penalties from the U.S. and and find an ally who, who can uh, who is willing to buy oil without consideration of threats and intimidation from the U.S. Yeah, because I see this this uh, this cooperation is very strategic. Uh, in fact, it's it's it's, it's a twenty five year program, and uh, they, they are looking at a Belt and Road Initiative, which essentially you know can tell uh, U.S.'s uh, interest in terms of businesses with uh, with with the rest of Europe. That's right. And it's it, not just businesses. I mean, U.S. Um, unipolar world uh, and its influence in the Middle East will be undermined. Um, but the U.S. is in a real dilemma because on the one hand, it wants to punish the Iranians. But on the other hand, it needs Iran to deal with issues to do with Syria, to Lebanon, Iraq, uh, uh, Hezbollah. All those issues are major geopolitical issues which um, Iran needs to be on the table to address and resolve. So if, if, if the Americans keep uh, this hostile position towards the Iranians, then um, many of the other issues do not get resolved. And now you have a situation... <coughs> I mean, ultimately, the, the Trump's plan of... Um, uh, maximum pressure on the Iranians has not worked. So if anything, with this deal, uh, with the fact that Iran has many proxies within the region and countries which relies on Iran, um, it's in a much, much better position. Uh, that's uh, Nassim Ahmed, is the political analyst at uh, MEMO, that's uh, Middle East Monitor, speaking to us live from London on the, our weekly Middle East report. You can also find them at www.middleeastmonitor.com. 
Twitter handle is at Middle East MNT. Nassim, like always, thank you very much for speaking to us. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>